You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by STS Steel Targets, premium shooting targets and accessories. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 14. I'm Rusty and with me is Greg. How you going, Rusty? Yeah, pretty good, mate. It's just the two of us in here tonight, and uh, the other boys couldn't make it in, unfortunately. How's your week been, mate? Oh, well, Actually, I haven't seen you for a few weeks. Yeah. How, how's yeah. it been? Uh, pretty good. Oh, you know, pretty busy at work. Um, managed to get out on the weekend, actually. Oh, right. Uh, Tell shot. us more. Yeah, and I went out to uh, into the SA Mallee region and um, went to sort of point the spotlight around a bit, and we... Um, we got onto a couple of foxes, so we just knocked a couple of foxes over for the farmer up there. So yeah, brilliant. Yeah, really good night. Um, just good to be out there, you know. Using your trusty two three, two four three, two four three. Ah, oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, the 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 old two two three. I loved it, but uh, the two four three slowly taking over. That's just, right. Uh, I haven't been out with you since you've had that on board. Yeah, the yeah. old trusty uh, BSA. So mm. yeah, no, it's it's. I'm really happy. Saving with your it. life. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. Very good. I, I managed to get out on uh, Monday, just gone, uh, actually, for a bit of a shoot, which was good fun. Um, did uh, a little bit, I guess. I've, I've got a couple of things to update listeners on. Uh, last podcast, I spoke about a scope that I tested that we just it wouldn't dial uh, well for us. Well, um, I got it out on Monday, and I did a box test for it, and it tracked uh, perfectly. It tracked sensationally. It was putting hole on hole, uh, working around um, about a four mil um, box, and it, you put uh, yeah the bullets on top of each other. It was doing very very well, um, which meant, left me thinking, oh well, hang on, what was the problem I was having the week before, where it was you know you'd you'd have to dial more to actually get the data that you were intending for it to be. Mm. And I thought it might have been tracking, but. No, the tracking works perfectly, and and what it is, and and something that I've not encountered to this degree before is is a, um, I guess number of scopes, particularly cheaper made, but it does happen on all all scopes, um, is that when you dial ten ten mil or two mil, it may not actually be two mil; it could be slightly off. And what I found is with this particular scope, we we measured our distance, measured the target, measured the increments of movement. And it had about a 7% uh, elevation uh, correction factor and about a 10% uh, windage correction factor. And so uh, Applied Ballistics, which is the program I use, um, allows you to actually set that in there. And so I did. And we, we put those correction factors in and we were able to get that scope uh, comfortably out to 800 metres uh, on a 260 without really any concern at all. So for the sub $800 scope that it is, and it's a Falcon uh, M25, um, and I'm, I'm happy to say it because it performed very well. Um, obviously, you, you just have to be aware um, that you need to do that correction factor on, well, you really should do that on any scopes. Greg, have you ever experienced that? Um, no, I haven't experienced it, but mind you, I probably haven't done as many box tests as I should have. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like uh, you, you really just listening to what you're saying, it sort of reaffirmed to me that, you know, maybe I should get out there and just, just run through that and mm. um, pick up on any correction factor. But I, I have been pretty fortunate in 
you know, as as you can see with the app, you can you can fix those correction factors in in the um, ballistic app. Certainly but can. Yeah. I, I've been fortunate enough that my rifles have been spot on from the outset, so mm. um, they should be good. But yeah, it's um, well. Let me let me throw something at you then, because if you're doing the the ply ballistics process and you're doing a ballistic calibration on it, mm. you're saying, I oh, know the data you predicted is wrong. I'm actually getting this data. What if that data is based on a scope that's got a slight error in it well what what should happen is is it should throw you off at a different range so although it'll ballistically if you calibrate it onto that real data yep if further out it'll start to be an error yeah so it'll it'll tilt your curve slightly Mm. in incorrect direction so Mm. you should start to to pick it further out um yeah, yeah. Um, there's ways of picking up on it, but Certainly. I'd rather do a box test yeah, like you've yeah. done. That's a really good example of how to sort of avoid that issue right from the outset. And look, realistically, if, if I had the uh, facilities and the, the time that particular day, I would have done something where we tracked to a good sort of 10 mil rather than 4 mil um, to really yeah. sort of uh, give a really good reading on it. Mm. Um, but for the price that that scope was, um, we also uh, had some advice from the importer about how to... Uh, we. We were having slight resolution issues in close, out out of distance, it was fine. Um, and and they suggested to us that we should, because um, we had a 20 MOA rail on the rifle, um, we were probably right at the edge of the adjustment range uh, okay. uh, when we were at 100 metres. Because mm. as we dialed up, it was not at its edge of adjustment. It was probably giving a better picture, yeah, okay. um, and that—that's what they suggested. And we, and and I tried that. I, I looked at it a hundred, but with the the elevation a little bit closer to centre, and it, and it came up good. Yeah. Okay. So that was that was something I wasn't aware of. That was really good to see. Yeah, same. Um, yeah. And probably was a little unfair because we had that particular scope there, which is you know sub eight hundred dollars, mm. and the other scopes we had there on the day were a Carl's, a Schmidt and Bender, and. <laughs> Um, something else. Um, but anyway, it was probably an unfair optical test against yep. it. Yep. But I guess, you know, when you're talking about a quarter of the price, um, yeah. it's, it's, it performed pretty well. So I've, uh, I've got their, uh, other one, their M18, I think it is. Um, I'm going to give it a crack this weekend. Hopefully that doesn't have the same correction factor issue. But as I said, it's not a major issue. It's, it's something that probably good to check on every scope. Yeah. Yeah. And probably more so just maybe at the cheaper end, um, you know things that aren't quality assessed. I've seen it. I've it, it, it's been uh, shown that happens on on expensive scopes. No. Um, yep. So it's not just. A, but I guess you, you you're right. You're probably going to frequency might be a little bit greater. Correct. Yeah. 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 But yep. everything we asked of the scope after finding that out, uh, it did. And as mm. I said, that box test is was very impressive. Mm. Um, and not just for the the scope of the dollars, it was impressive. Yep. So. Yep. Which is excellent to see. Um. Yeah, so that was good fun. Uh, your is your gun come along any anything at all? Oh, the the, the project? No, it hasn't. I've got all the, everything sitting there ready to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just comes down to, to to dollars at the moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just waiting till I get the funds put aside, and I'll, I'll get it into the gunsmith um, and get it done. Yeah. Um, but at Maybe. least I've got the barrel. I've got the the um, uh, the the um. The bottom metal. Yep. It's just a matter of just getting the work done. So getting it done. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. I I think um, the Vic Pract- uh, Practical Rifle Series. I think they've got another match in 
June, waiting to get the confirmation of the dates. Maybe could we work towards something like that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that'd be sweet. That'd be really sweet. Because no, if, I... if we put a deadline on it for you, Greg, you, you're going to get it done, aren't you? Yeah, I'll put it on visa, you reckon? But um, <laughs> no, look, I'm really keen to get it done and just start to, you know, maybe show up at a few of these um, mm. competitions just for the experience. You know, um, it's been a long time since I've done any comp shooting, so it'd be nice to sort of just get in there and have a go. Yeah. Uh, whether I come, you know, dead last, I don't care. You know, it's just about getting out there and... I'm going for a DNF. I'm going to... Did I'm not gonna, finish? I'm going to not even finish. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe nothing I'd, to lose. Just <laughs> nothing to lose. Just, you know, you yeah. go three, three stages and then off to the pub. Yeah, and I think as, as long as you're shooting, as long as you're out there and getting trigger time, I think that's 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 what it's all about. Spot on, mate. Mm. Spot on. Now, the other thing I found out a, a little bit on Monday... Um, was my 300 wind mag last uh, last podcast? We were sort of second guessing it and thinking was the barrel worn, and um, I really appreciate. We got a bunch of emails uh, with feedback and suggestions and ideas, which mm. is brilliant because sometimes, as you will know, and I'm sure most of our listeners can attest to, when you're close to it, to something, you, you sort of oh no, I think I've done that. I think I've, yeah, and you, you get blinded yeah. by it a little so bit. So what was the the issue. So it was, um, it just wasn't grouping, and the groupings were opening up worse and worse and worse yeah, over okay. over a period of time, to mm-hmm. the point where I was, you know, struggling to get like a four inch group out of it. You know, yeah. it was not not great. I was say, I have seen that with an old rifle, because mm-hmm. um, I'm a guy that lets a barrel foul for some period of time. Yep. Um, for quite a number of shots, and I won't actually, you know. Um, strip the barrel until it, the groups start opening up. Yep. And, and I've had barrels really open up and then strip them and they, they group again. Well, so it's it is it was interesting because um, we had one gentleman who suggested, you know, just give it a really good clean. Yep. Um, and we had others that, that sort of uh, talked about uh, wearing the throat out and maybe extending the, the projectiles further and further yep. out. And all, all, all really good, good ideas. Yeah. yeah, all good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So I went out on Monday and I, I tried a number of things and – I, I remounted the scope prior to going out because I, I had some concerns that pr- previously what had happened the barrel uh, the barrel the rail had come loose yeah okay. so I, I remounted that but yep. that was half it was after that I was still having problems yep but I, th- I thought you know what I'm just going to start afresh again so I redid the whole whole thing yep and I went out and and. And when you say redid, you you like talked everything down just Correct. for those yeah, guys just re- out there. Restarted, sorry, yeah, restarted yeah, the, the those, whole sort of mount. Those guys new to putting rifles together. Make sure you get yourself a decent torque wrench too, because uh, talking everything down is such an essential part of the mm. the assembly process. But back to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, mm. I went through that process because uh, I didn't remember the last time. And and you know when you do it consciously, you go right. Going to make sure this is right. Mm. And and I did that, and then I shot, and it had improved slightly, but still not what I would consider fixed. It was it was probably yeah, halfway okay. there. It was better. Yeah. Um. And and I I shot a few different things, and then also gave it I gave it a really good clean, probably yeah. for you know a good about an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Sort did of. They keep coming out green. Like are you talking stripping here? Um, no, it wasn't. Yeah, I stripped copper yeah. um out of it completely, and and it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, I tell you. Yep. I, I thought it was going to be like just blue, 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 yeah, blue. Yeah, yeah. But no, I just, I just I did the works on it. And mm. I took it back out and it had improved again. Yeah, yep. um, I've There it seems to be a little diminish in accuracy compared to what it was doing. Yep. Um, but that could have been me. That could yep. have been, no, there wasn't any wind I can blame. But it, yeah, yep. I'll just blame me. Yep. Um, comparative. Or it could be the barrel is... is 
is aging, yeah. which I'm totally okay with, or if it's if the throat is eroding and perhaps I should seat them a bit deeper. So how many shots do you put through this barrel? Uh, would be somewhere, I think we talked about it, over 1,000, uh, mm. 1,200, somewhere around there. So it would be early days. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. But... Oh, the other thing that you didn't you didn't know that uh, mm. talked with Andrew last time is that um, it's not had the greatest life. So through you know with a bunch of uh, we've had just general people come out and shoot it, yep. and so it's been shot after shot after shot after shot yeah. after shot. Yeah, a bit of barrel burning, correct? Style, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's yep. just been it's been fired um, out of need more than out of uh, desire to get yeah. this huge amount of accuracy out of it. Um, and the barrel is a 20-inch barrel, so it's been copped down a little bit. So yep. it heats up pretty quick. Yep. Um, uh, so I wasn't, I, I was open to the fact that perhaps I have worn, yeah. worn through it. It does it sound be, that way. It'll be early. But having cleaned it, remounted it, and, mm. and re, redid the stock and every, you know, did everything I could to, yep. to redo it, um, it's come it's come pretty good. It's come. not not as quite as good as it was, but it's, it's not four inch groups. It's under an inch groups. Oh, okay. You so, pulled it right in. Yeah, it's you pulled know. it right in. So yeah. um, that Less was... Less than a quarter of what it was. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Did, did mm. you check the jump to the lands as well? I, that's the one thing I haven't checked. Yeah. And and I'm if I checked that, I, I suspect that would have increased. Yep. Um, but I've got a bunch of ammo already loaded for it. And yeah, I, sweet. Ideally, if I can get them to work, that would yeah. save me a bit of time. Yeah. The, the gun is not designed... Um, it's not. I don't rely on it for a super accurate long yeah. range so rifle. For what me, what you got now is enough for the use. Correct for yep. its purpose of use, it will certainly do yep. the job. Yep, oh, mm. sweet. So anyway, I'm, I've I've, uh, I've learned a bunch of things. That was really yeah. good. Thanks good. for the feedback for those who emailed in and and keep it up because uh, mm. we're all all learning and we've all got different experiences. Yeah, it's easy to confuse yourself on the range, isn't it? You know, oh, you think so easy. You just sit there scratching your head. Um, but yeah, you just got to go through that process of elimination, don't you? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So it was uh, it was good. Um, yeah, got out Monday with a uh, Daryl from uh, Midplat Firearms who was on on here okay. uh, a few episodes ago, and that um, yep. no, was it was really good shooting. It was very nice to go out there with yep. someone who uh, just had their own agenda to do, and they did their thing, and I did my thing, and, yeah, and it nice. was nice and relaxed, which yep. was very good. Now we got a couple of questions, Greg, that we. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we we mentioned about people contacting us, and we had a couple of questions. So I'll start with this one from Will. Uh, thanks, Will, for your email um, or your Facebook message, I think this one was. Will's got two questions. Uh, first, why is it important to keep track of batches of fired shells, assuming they're all the same brand, in long-range shooting? And secondly, a brass casing either new or that has been fired two-ish times. Hang on. Uh, perhaps... A, would a brass casing either fired new, uh, sorry, either new or been fired two-ish times perform the exact same accuracy downrange as a case fired six or more times? Shall we tackle the first one? Uh, so why is it important to keep track of batches of fired shells, all the same brand? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give my reasons why I do it. Yep. Um, Rusty, and you can jump in and, and go over the top of that if you've got other reasons. Um, basically, I keep them all batched together because I'm looking for consistency. So I'll, I'll try and keep all the fired batches together. So when I reload, I'm, I'm trying to make every round as identical or as consistent with the next one as possible. Um, I guess as they fire, um, you know, you get you, your brass walls are going to get a little bit thinner. Uh, there's going to be a dip, uh, a slightly different, um, I guess 
powder area. So you're going to have slightly slight variances in, in the powder burn itself and, and therefore muzzle velocity. So for me, I just try and keep everything fairly consistent and, and mm. group them together. Um, and that's that's mainly why I do it. And, you know, you get the results on the range if you do it. Um, yeah. That's my experience. I'm going to I'm going to agree with you, um, mm. and perhaps add a couple of things that consistency is yeah. is the 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 key and the reason you would do it. Mm. Um, but also, so if you're going to um, let's say you've shot some brass three times and some brass once, mm. well, depending on the cartridge, but you may not trim the brass you've shot once, yeah. but you would trim the brass you've shot three times. Yep. Uh, but if that's all mixed together, you perhaps you you measured five out of 50 rounds to see whether or not you needed to trim yep. they all came up because they were all the once fired stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then you wouldn't you wouldn't trim it and you could have yep. problems on the range trying to load your stuff that's yeah. three fired yep um and so you, you're keeping them all together to to yeah. trim them accordingly um same with annealing or other yeah. other ca- uh, processes that you'll go mm. through um and some guys i know will will clean like stainless steel media every second one and then clean corn cob oh, okay. the alternating one their rituals yeah the yeah. various things and and so it's important obviously and it's all back to consistency yeah that they're treating the same brass in the same manner as they go along the process so yeah. um i think it's it's useful um the other thing is as well when you get a if you've got a batch of brass um and you start to see a cracked neck or two or you know that sort Mm. of thing starts happening you know that that batch is time to go time to go Mm. and you can you can remove the whole batch from your uh, your collection um with confidence that you're not just waiting for it to all split you can just move it on yep Mm. yeah absolutely seems about right yeah i'm one of those guys that uh i don't really load that often i will you know large amounts in batches so i just trim every Every batch, and, and that's true as well. But yeah. yeah, if I was doing larger amounts like like yourself, I, you know, I'd probably do it. You know, every third, or you know, when it when it hits the the edge of the the trim range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, uh, there's nothing wrong with doing it every time. Either yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, okay, the second question. Uh, so, would a brass? We'll just run with once fired. Uh, mm. Would a brass casing uh, new uh, perform the exact same accuracy downrange uh, as fired case? Actually, let's change that. Slightly, because he does say once or twice. Would a brass casing that has been fired once perform the exact same accuracy downrange as a case fired six or more times? So clarify why we changed the question, because if you are shooting brand new brass... Mm, It's not fire-formed. It's not fire-formed, and so... You're not comparing apples with apples there. Yeah, that's right. So for those who are uh, perhaps not aware of what what can happen, your chamber is going to be slightly different to what... um, what a factory um, brass is going to come at. And so your first fire, your brass will expand to take up the the size of your chamber. Um, And assuming you then next size rather than full size, you're going to only be um, adjusting the size of the neck uh, from Mm. there on in and leaving it. So keep that in mind from the first, from from the first fire, um, or sorry, from your once fired brass, is that then going to perform different to your sixth fired brass Mm. what's your thoughts greg well my thoughts are yes but it'd probably be fairly fairly minor in in effect um possibly it would bother it'd probably come down to the use like i don't think it would bother hunters too much whereas i think some of these guys that are you know shooting flies at at sort of five six hundred meters might 
get a little concerned about mixing batches. Mm. Um, the guys are looking real tight groups uh, for target shooting. But, um, yeah, I don't think it would be a huge thing uh, myself. Um, but I've, I've never really experimented with that. It'd probably be an actually an interesting little experiment yeah. to put your pet loads into, you know, a few different batches and do a few different groups, like mix the batches. See how, you, yeah, yeah, see just how it is. See whether the consistency drops away or whether it's a, uh, an almost consistent change in MV as you go out the batches. It would be an interesting experiment. Yeah, well, that would be that would be my point, I guess, is that if you're batching, as we talked about in the first one, if you're if you're keeping them all together and counting how many times they've been re- reloaded, your brass should be aging in a very similar way, mm. as in my experience anyway. And so, by the time you do get to your fifth or sixth load, um, mm. while your your muzzle velocity, so your data may be slightly varied, yeah, but your performance should actually be, in terms of your accuracy, it should actually be. Consistent, consistent to each yeah. other, and because um, it just comes down to whether you drop off your like if your MV should technically drop off, yep. Um, whether that drops you off your accuracy node or or whether you still stay on it, you may see a level of opening up of your group, but it just depends on how your load was set up against your, mm. you know, uh, and your I accuracy nodes. I wouldn't think it was um, be that much. Yeah, it? significant change in mm. like you'd, you'd have a change. Yep. Um, it actually reminds me of a, of a question that was asked by a friend of ours mm. um, the other the other day, and he was looking to um, try and get his standard deviation down. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was good. It was you know, quite reasonable, about fifteen feet per second. And but he was trying yep. to get it down to eight or less. Yeah. And he was talking about buying this and buying that, and and, and which is all good stuff. I mean, you know, mm. trying to trying to get every little bit. Of detail down it's as consistent as possible is yeah. is good. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But by saying that as well, there's probably things that we could um, certainly for me could spend my time on that mm. would make more significant difference downrange yeah. than a variation of of whether I'm on the second or the sixth reload on that brass, yeah. Yeah. or whether I've got a, a standard deviation of fifteen or ten. Yeah. Um, not to say they're not worthwhile goals to try yeah, and yeah. bring down. Yep. Um, but also, if if your if your wind calls need work, that's worth more more yeah. time. Uh, yeah. You know, if you're if you haven't got a good range finder, in, uh, or if perhaps put the the money into that, um, yeah, if you're trying to do that sort of thing. Yep. Um, yeah. The the more you can understand about those things, the better you understand your ballistics program. The, yeah. the, the more time you spend behind your trigger pulling that trigger. Yeah. Um, those things are perhaps worth more time than we often give them when we're yeah. just we're just trying to focus on reloading the best. Yep. Yeah. Uh, ammo, and I'm not saying that reloading good ammo isn't isn't a yeah mm. it is a good thing and trying to knock out. Every little aspect is possible, yeah. but it's also a matter of where you focus your attention. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, some of those elements you're talking about is, is, I guess, more the sort of shooting we do, Rusty, which is sort of, you know, hunting-based precision shooting. Yep. Um, whereas a target guy where he knows the range every week. Yep. You know, um, he, he's very familiar with his with his flags and, you know, he's got wind. Mm. You know, it might just be other things like environmentals might help, you know, if they get himself a Kestrel for yeah. longer range shooting. Um, and I, I guess I am coming from it uh, with that precision rifle style yeah, mindset. that's right. Um, and, and because, yeah, and 
but if, if um, a friend of mine who shoots uh, Bentrest often shoots rimfire, and mm. he's a he's a very good wind caller. Yeah, and he spent a lot of time practicing that side of things. Yep, and he runs a relatively um, relatively standard twenty two when he shoots twenty two bench yep. um, guns, and it's funny because at fifty meters. He doesn't do so well in the comp. He does does all right because he's yeah. a v- very talented shooter. Yeah. But at a hundred meters, he he often will be competitive against guns that are worth five, six times yeah. as much, and guys who have dedicated and measure all their ammo and that yeah. sort of gear. Because the fundamentals. Because he's a good shooter, and because yeah. he reads the wind very, very well. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. He said the only way I'm going to beat them at fifty is to spend more money on it and spend more time yeah. on it. But I can beat them at a hundred because. Yeah. He's a quality. Yeah, he's quality yet. The external factors mm, come into it more. That's yeah. right. So I guess yep. it, it does depend on what type of shooting you're doing. Yep. Um, and yeah, I'm going for a, a goal this year of a shooting a long way, and I'm going to have to spend a lot of time on on the you know trying to get everything up to scratch. Yep. Um, in terms of re- reloading side of things and yeah. and standard deviation and other things, but mm. um, but I, I tell you what, there's a the more time you spend out there shooting and That's learning right. those environmentals, because wind will drift you far more than your your, your variation in your yeah. That's right. In your uh, f- um, muzzle velocity as well. Yep. Hmm. So I, th- I think we answered the question. Um, anyway, well, yeah, that's we sort of <laughs> went off on a merry tangent. Uh, anyway, that that happens. Yes. Uh, so we'll thank you very much for your questions. Now we've got another one uh, from Brendan and um, Brendan. Ah, so this one's a bit longer, Greg, yep. and this will probably uh, take us through for a little while. So Brendan asks, uh, trying to find the happy medium between a walk-around hunter and a precision rifle gun. I was looking around for a heavy-barreled rifle for some precision work and also hunting, meaning I'll be carrying it around for extended periods. Everything from goats up to larger deer species. The T3 compact tactical rifle struck some interest, which is a T3 CTR, um, what are your thoughts on the 260 rem with a 20-inch barrel? Is it long enough to stabilise and exploit the round for acceptable performance? The rifle is also chambered in 308, so I'm interested to know your thoughts on the pros and cons of each uh, option. Also, any other off-the-shelf options in both calibre uh, and rifle are welcome. I'm left-eye dominant but somewhat ambidextrous behind the gun. He also did say in his uh, email to uh, lay off the south paws. The lefties. But um, I said, you know, we just, when Dan's here, he can back him up. And when he's not, well, it's... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's open slather. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Anyway, so that's that's the question. Um, and I guess it's, it's not an uncommon question either. The reason we'll spend a bit of time on it because guys are often looking for a compromise. Yeah. Um, trying to achieve... Dual tasks. Mm, mm. That's right. And, and any time you do that, you're sacrificing both of them. Yeah. But not to say it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just depending which way you're going to lean, whether you're going to go more along the precision rifle style of stuff or whether you're going to go more along the lightweight hunter, which is, I guess, at the basis of what he's wanting to do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, with something that's usable to reach out. Yeah. So I guess cartridge mm. is probably the first discussion, which we, we've talked about several times on various things. And, and look, at those the friends of ours who are going to be listening to this as soon as we mentioned th- uh, 260 and 308 in the same conversation, they're going to groan um, because it's an, it's an endless discussion that we have um, about it. Um, 
and this is perhaps slightly different to the discussion we often have about it. And we should, we probably should do one episode where we just go hell for leather on, on the 260 308 discussion. Right, just uh, get the fanboys going. <laughs> just, yeah. uh, just to provoke some response. But um, the, I guess, um, look, I've got uh, both cartridges um, and both of them I think are very uh, appropriate and apt. And, and my usual recommendation, particularly for the precision rifle side of things, that if someone is reloading um the 260 makes more sense because it it deflects the wind in a better better way and the ballistics on it are um are better and therefore you're putting everything in your favor to minimize the effects of wind and gravity and therefore should get a high percentage of shots on target Mm. basically but if you are factory running factory it's uh, an expensive way to run a gun there's really good quality 308 ammo out there for roughly half the price that will do the job very well. Um, you've just got a slightly slightly higher margin for error um, with your 308. Um, not to say it won't do it. Of course it will, because I can do it with mine quite regularly. It's, it's They're a good gun. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I know with me, I've, I've got a 308, and that's the one I'm going to rebarrel into 6mm. But, uh, you know, I enjoyed that rifle. Um, basically learnt the fundamentals on it. And, mm. and 308, um, you know... You can just get out there and, and start shooting, and it's a solid caliber. I think, you know, reflecting back on that um, analysis, we did a six six mil, six and a half mil yep. cartridges, just those calculations, you know, they stand out. Although we didn't look at the, the 260 cartridge, we looked at the yeah. uh, the Creed, Creed and, the, and the by 47 lap. Yep. But, um, you know, they ballistically, they the, the six and the six and a halves really start, stand out in the crowd. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, it's just all about the cartridge you want to put behind it, how hard you want to push it. A- absolutely, and, yeah. and the 308 is, is is certainly not a hamstrung, but um, mm. yeah, there's a reason the guys in the, the PRS are running the 6 and 6.5s because they, they make sense in that environment. Yep. However, uh, we, we're tackling a different environment here. That's very true. So we, we're now talking about, um, well, I guess he, he, he quantifies it here from goats up to the larger deer species. Yep. Now, we, we know that Brendan's in SA, and the deer species he's probably going to encounter here uh, are going to be fallow and yeah. red um, and a mm-hmm. few others, but mm-hmm. that's fallow's going to be the majority yep. for sure and, and perhaps some of the bigger stuff. Now, um, one thing is I know some of that, those larger deer, you, you won't be able to use the 260 in Victoria. That's correct. So if, if he's got any ambition, which we've talked about before, um, if you've got any, any ambition to shoot larger deer in Victoria, mm. uh, the 260s, from a, a legal standpoint, not going to work. Yeah. Uh, it, we can have that argument whether it will work from an actual standpoint, but yeah. that's that's not in play here. Is yep. If he wants to go to Victoria or if that's ever on the cards, then the mm. 308 is it's obviously the only option. The yeah. only option. yeah, mm. certainly. For SA, I think that the the 260 will certainly perform with the right projectile on most oh, or in def- any game. Yeah, almost, yeah. most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah yep. certainly. So, um, I guess it's going to de- that that is going to depend. If he's leaning more towards that precision rifle side of things and mm-hmm. he's reloading, you'd be hard pressed to go past the 260. Yeah. If he's not reloading, it's 308. Sort of, uh, unless he's got bucket loads of money to buy ammo. Yeah. <laughs> um. And uh, but if there's potentially trips to Victoria uh, or um, perhaps some bigger pigs on the on the menu, yep. um, that sort of thing, then the 308 is going to have perhaps a little bit of an advantage in some areas. 
Um, yep. Yeah, so I guess he, he's going to have to tell us what what works, and and either one will do the job. Yeah. Um, in in most scenarios. Yep. No, I look. I just agree with what you said, Sam. That pretty right. much explains it. Uh, my views as well. Cool. Yeah. Um, now the other thing here he's talking about is well, it's got another couple of questions. Is is what what gun to use? And so he's brought up the uh, the T three CTR. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that one? Much no, great? no, that, I'm not actually. So for those the listening and for your benefit, it's a it's a ticket G three, which I know you're very familiar with. Yep. With a um like a varmint sort of barrel, maybe just a touch under. Yep. Profile wise, it's a twenty inch barrel. It's mm-hmm. a ten round mag. The mag's based off the Seiko TRG mag, so it's a um, but it's a ten round. I reckon it's a double stack off memory. Mm-hmm. Comes with a rail. Comes with a larger uh, bolt knob. Yep. Um and comes with like a the same uh, cheek piece on a varmint stock, but not the wider forend. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So it's it it really is that the sort of a, a hybrid is almost sort of designed for this purpose, in my opinion. Mm. Mm. It's it's a lighter weight gun because it's got that shorter barrel, keeps center of gravity sort of more central rather yep. than forward. Yep. Um, it it can play the tactical game because of the you know. Well, Part to do with a larger magazine, ten round mag, and, and yep. the bolt handle is very comfortable to cycle. Yep. Um, it is threaded as well, so muzzle brake is a very easy fit. Yep. On there, um, and in, and with Brendan's question about is there anything else? Well, th- I mean, there's other options. There's a Savage Scout and the Ruger Scout, which would be great for the hunting side yep. of things. Yep. But perhaps lack a few things in the precision rifle side yeah. of stuff. Their, their actions aren't quite so smooth, I've found. And, yep. Um, yeah, I mean, hard pressed to go past the ticker in, in this sort of price. Well, assuming this is a price bracket he's talking about. Mm. And, mm. Um, yeah, so I, I'm not sure there'd be too many other options off the shelf. Um, there's probably not too many other in left as well. Oh, yeah. Well, he says he's, he's ambidextrous. Actually, I'm not sure if the CTR's coming left. Because um, Tika usually do left in most things. No, in some things. Some yeah, things. Some. Okay, righto. Um, that would be one to... I, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't yep. tell you uh, yep. now. I'd have to look it up. Um, anyway, uh, that's something someone can tell us or we'll have a look afterwards. Mm. Um, the other question he's got there is a 20-inch barrel based around a 260. Yeah. Um, uh, now, you've got experience with 20-inch barrels, haven't you? I, I haven't actually had a 20-inch barrel. I've just had 26s. For everything. Or, yeah, 26, 28. I've, I've not gone that short. Yep. What's your experience going that short, especially well, on the l- sort of larger yeah, cartridges? I, look, and we've talked about it before, and it's 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 you know it's known. Um, the shorter barrels will, will just obviously produce a bit of a uh, velocity drop, not... Yep necessarily as massive as something some people think but it will certainly you know sort of have a a drop in velocity mm-hmm. and what i guess you've got to realize if you're going to go down the 20 inch barrel mm-hmm. your um your transonic range is going to be closer than it was if you were on a 26 yep. inch barrel now um a 20 inch barrel on a 260 is probably okay but he, um mm-hmm. brendan's going to realize that yeah, uh, is not going to be pushing it quite as far as he. Well, some um, of the other guys, yeah. Some of the other guys. So it's just yeah. it's going to be a limitation you have to be aware of, and it, and we talked at the top of this about the compromise, and something's yep. got to give, and that's perhaps going to be more favourable for the hunting side of things. Now I've I've run a couple of three oh eights with sixteen and a half and seventeen inch barrels, and mm. um, in a hunting platform and and shooting out to sort of five hundred meters on goats. 
didn't didn't lose anything. That you know, yep, the goats nice. fell over. Yep. <laughs> they did they yep, did what they, they meant to up. do. Yep. Yeah. Um and and we still managed to get that gun out to nine hundred and ninety meters. So it's still nice. still yep. capable out there that distance. Uh, that wasn't the easiest to get out there, but it, it still worked. Yep. Um and so the short barrels are, are certainly no dramas and generally inherently to a shorter barrel it's more rigid therefore it's yeah. got less movement in it, therefore it should be more accurate yep. not always true but the theory is there yep. um so i, I you know nothing wrong with a short barrel at all mm. um just being as long as you're aware of its limitations yep, yep. and um I, I chopped my 300 wind mag down to 20 inch up being fully aware of what limitations it was yep and it did give me the the, the reduction in muzzle velocity about what i thought it was going to be uh, which was quite okay. Still, still capable, sort of a one point two k gun. Yep, um, yep. When it was shooting well, and it's shooting yeah. well again now. So, <laughs> um, there are other errors there. Yep. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that's my thoughts on that side of things. You yep. haven't done much with the shorter barrels. No, no. I've, yeah, like I said, I've, I've just had all traditional barrels, uh, barrel lengths, um, yep. to date. So, yeah, just don't have any input there. Mm. Mm. That's right. Well, that, yeah, the CTR Brennan is going to be probably, I think, going to suit your purpose if you are looking for a bit of a hybrid between the two. Mm. Um, worth a crack. I know sort of three or four guys with them, and they're all pretty happy with them. What I will say about the CTR is that yeah, um, if you're thinking about changing the stock on them, um, perhaps don't. That's not the one to, to grab. I mean, the, the benefit of the CTR and what you pay a bit extra money for is the ten round magazine in there. If you're going to change the stock out. Most likely, it's going to be a ticker stock, which will have a, a sorry, a, a stock designed for a ticker with a standard ticker inlet, or designed to take a AI magazine for a chassis or something like that. And you've then sort of gone backwards from your benefit of buying it for mm. the the, mm. um, the CTR for that ten round mag. You'd almost be better off to save yourself some money, buy the uh, ticker T three varmint. Yep. Bring that barrel down shorter. Yep. Um, and then throw it into whichever stock you intend it for. Yep. Um, I've seen someone do that and then sort of what, yeah, was, what was the reason to buy Getting a barrel chopped is fairly cheap on in the scheme of things, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's not a hard chop process. chopping crown. Yep, yep. correct. Yeah, yep. so not, not overly difficult and fairly readily available to yep. to get done. Um, yeah, and 20 inches would be fine to bring it down to. Yep. Yeah. Very good. Well, that's um, hopefully that's answered your question, mate. <laughs> um and guys, we're we also fully uh, happy to uh, to take any advice and ideas on board as well. Um, so if you've got any thoughts on those questions, um, send it through, and we'll pass it on to the guys who are relevant, or we'll bring it up if it's uh, something else to talk about. That would be uh, wonderful. Now, one other thing we probably should um, should mention uh, is that we're going to be in Sydney in June. Yes. Uh, we're going to Shot Expo, Greg and I, um, along mm. with uh, Sean from STS and Steve from Precision Rifle Products. Both guys have been on the show. Um, so we're going to be over there. Um, we're going to try and record a few things a podcast. for the podcast, perhaps, while we're over there. Sounds good. Which will be good fun. Uh, we'll grab a few uh, interesting people to have a chat to. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sean and Steve are pretty, uh, well, interesting and could be an appropriate word. Anyway. <laughs> No, I hope they heard that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess the other thing is, if anyone is in Sydney, I know it's ages away. It's June, but um, if anyone is in Sydney and and wants to say good day and you know catch up and 
talk about shooting, uh, which we seem to be able to do, I guess. Um, Always keen yeah, for a chat. Yeah, come let us know you're going to be there at the uh, Shot Expo in June, which uh, if I turn around, I'll be able to see the dates. It's uh, June the 25th and 26th. Uh, the I'm going to get this wrong. The Rose Hill Race Course or something No, that's like that. correct. I that is up. correct? Yep, yeah, you're right. right. Out yep. near Parramatta somewhere. Um, I believe you. Yeah, well, I was there two years ago. I don't remember the place, but I remember it was near Parramatta. That's all I remember. Uh, anyway, so that should be good fun. Uh, good fun a uh, few days up there. And a couple other uh, things to let you guys know uh, as we wrap up. The uh, We've got a couple of guys coming on the show, hopefully over the next few weeks as well, a few good good interviews, okay. um, which is pretty exciting. I won't necessarily say who it is because in case we don't quite get there, but it's a few guys from, from different states as well. Um, now that we've worked out how to use Skype, we're going to uh, we'll look out. Go on international. <laughs> go well, on interstate and international. We're going to interstate. We are, we are going international. Actually, I will, I will mention this one. We're really hoping to catch up with uh, some guys, and they actually have, have offered to do it at a PRS event. Yeah. So um, I'll, I won't say who. It's, um, it's going to be exciting to talk to them yeah. about it. But they, they've said, oh, look, how about we do it while we're at a PRS competition? We've got a couple coming up in the next couple of months. Oh, wow. And I thought that'd be cool. And they'll grab whoever they can while they're there to come and have a chat with us. And yeah, yeah see how that'd we go. That'd be a real treat. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. We'll see how we, uh, how we go with that. And uh, a few other guys in Australia as well. So um, the other thing I guess we wanted to... Uh, put out there is if if, you, if there's anyone you'd like us to interview, well, we're willing to ask them if they come on the show. Um, so let us know and we'll see who we can get on. If there's a topic or a question or something you uh, you want answered and you think there's uh, someone out there we, we should be asking because uh, yep. yeah, there's plenty of people out there who know far more than us. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got to get the info from them. Yep, that's a big one. You know, we, we'd like to hear from you guys. So if you've got any questions on uh, anything to do with um, precision shooting, Certainly, um, jump on Facebook and let us know. Yeah, and then we'll just make Andrew answer them all. Yeah, that's that, that's, that's what plan. we've been doing. Yeah, yeah it works. <laughs> works really well. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Greg. Uh, no thanks, thanks for coming in. Cheers. Uh, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we'll catch up with you next time. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by STS Steel Targets, premium shooting targets and accessories.